0: Think that people have fear of not doing it well or being wrong or and obviously the adage of being rejected. Oh my god, don't if you can't be rejected, don't be in sales. Kind of agree because you're gonna be rejected way more than you're gonna be accepted. This is Taking the Lead, a podcast for B2B tech professionals, leaders, and executives who want to learn from female icons in the tech
1: industry. In each episode, host Christina Brady interviews women who are driving revenue for some of the most respected tech companies in the world. Are you ready to get inspired? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Lead. I am Christina Brady. I am the Chief Strategy Officer of Sales Assembly. We are a one-stop shop for all things scaling. If you are a B2B tech organization, We work with you to help every single employee in your organization up level the way that they need to, whether that is training, advisory, certifications, you name it. We are here to provide the support from sales to marketing, to ops, to enablement. I am so excited today to have Kim Mirazimi on the show. Kim, welcome. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. In the three minutes that we were able to say like, hi, hi. We already have this amazing rapport, if I do say so myself, so I can't wait to talk to you, especially because, and I don't always reveal our topic early, but this one is all about how courage shows up every day in our working life and kind of honing in on what that means to be a revenue producer. So I cannot wait, but before we talk about courage, tell us a little bit about you and your incredible journey. You're currently the Senior Vice President and Global Head of the Commercial Sector at Three Pillar. How did you ascend
0: that ladder? Tell us your story. Yeah, I love to reflect on it. So thank you for asking that. It, it's been, um, I am in my ninth year here. And so my journey started in enterprise software sales and continued to move. And I moved into services. And I remember people saying, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, yes, I want to do that. I want to take the leap. I need to do something different and I've never looked back. And now I look back and I say, I've never looked back and it's been nine years. And I have played many, many hats in the organization, I think, to really, the, which is the amalgamation of where I have gotten to today and really happy and, and proud of that. Starting there, I'm out of Boston, Massachusetts. I was asked to open up the regional offices here and really get those going At the time, I think we were probably a $20 million, $20 $20 million organization. Today, we are a $150 million organization and we're looking to grow and have been growing at these crazy rapid rates. So really excited about the company, where we're going, how we've gotten here and my journey as part of that, right. As part of, and being able to walk through all those chapters. So, opened up the offices here, played, did business development, obviously regionally and then nationally, went back and forth to kind of being in sales and always in sales, right? We're always in sales and really we ever get out of sales. And then managing a portfolio. And today, I manage a portfolio with a whole a bunch of wonderful, wonderful people that go to market with me. And so that's our commercial services portfolio. It's about a $40 dollars $40 portfolio. And again, rapid growth, we work with healthcare manufacturing, many enterprise clients, et cetera. And just another, the next start of the journey, you know, the next chapter in the journey and, and looking to see where where our next page is going to turn.
1: Could you have ever envisioned being here, you know, like 12 year old you, would you have been like, yeah, this is totally totally what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and I didn't go to college, which I, I, I love asking people what they went to school for and what they ended up being, because I didn't go to college to be a sales executive or a portfolio leader, but I ended up falling into it. And I remember in joking, I will all, you know, I always say, well, we're on the dark side. You know, they call the it right <laughs> sales and the dark side's fun, you know? And I think that, you know, what it taught me is never think that you will always know your path. And this comes into your courageous, right? Into our courageous theme, I think for today, you got to go where life is going to take you. And when you're on that journey, make sure that you're doing what's right for you and what you're going to enjoy, because the journey is long and it takes up a lot of your time, right? We all work and it takes up a ton of our time and make sure that you are selective. And that's one of my life lessons is be selective in your next page, in your next chapter, in the next book that you choose. Because it's really, really fulfilling and there's never a linear line of sight there. I don't believe that. So,
1: I mean, what you're talking about, it's this idea of we spend all this time in our life around this idea of happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment. And really, to me, what it comes down to is we're going to spend a certain amount of time seeking happiness. And we forget that we can also spend a certain amount of time making happiness. And it might not look like what we thought that it was going to look like, but that's also okay to make your own happiness, right? If we're just going to throw metaphors, it's like grass is greener where you water it, you know? So same thing for me. So what did you major in? Now I got to know.
0: So I was a business major with an international marketing major uh, minor. So I started at an international PR firm working with very large technology enterprise clients, And eventually was courted by one of them and said, come to the dark side, but you sell us to the press, to the media and the press all day long, Want to come and sell us to clients? And it was just a very, very organic and very natural transition. And I loved what I was doing. I love my background, but I never looked back from there and, and continued really into basically software sales. And then obviously here with Three Pillar, really managing digital product transformation and services.
1: Okay, well, so you've always just uh, just been brilliant. I thought you were gonna say like, oh, I you know, I majored in woodworking and then fell into sales, which <laughs> is like not that far from from my own journey, starting my life in the arts. and then it's very similar to you, like careening into this industry. And then after I landed and brushed myself off and was like, that was weird, realizing, wait, I, I think I love it here. I think I will stay. And there's been, again, those years of chasing the happiness making the happiness and then also realizing when it's there and acknowledging it and recognizing like I am in a moment of happiness and I never thought that I would be here. So Mm -hmm. I think it's cool to hear you do the same thing. When did you realize you wanted to major in business?
0: I think that's just something I always wanted to do. I think I knew I was not going to be a doctor. That was not in the cards for me. My mother would probably still tell you I could have been a lawyer because I'm a great debater and I'm thick headed. But I I think it's just something I was always intrigued with. I liked the marketing part. I love the international part, right? When you're younger. And I think there's just all kinds of connotations that that can bring. But again, same thing. Same, same. I love the way you described it, right? You kind of You land and you have to brush yourself off and go, What strange planet am I in? And this is a pretty cool, strange planet. And all the people that I work with are unbelievably fantastic. And, And people have this boundless energy in what we do in our trade craft. And I do call it a craft. And I coach my teams a lot on to your point if you're in the journey, enjoy the journey, but do good in your journey, right? Hone your craft don't check the box, don't punch in, punch out, right? Sales is not a punch in, punch out. You are working, you are working hard, and how are you honing your trade craft to get better and better and better at what you do? And that's what excites me when I can work with my teams and see them and, and instantiate that and, and give them agency to do that and help them on that part of the journey, right? That's. I think that's where I've come kind of full circle, right? I was that person for many years, honing, 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 honing. And then you reach different levels and you want to share that and you want to help enable and empower others to do that. So we talk a lot about honing your craft and being courageous Mm -hmm. and honing your craft because it's not an easy thing. It's complicated and it's hard and there's many facets, but you have to be courageous and jump in head first and brush yourself off and keep going. And, you know, the journey is pretty wild when you're doing it that way.
1: You know what? You're not thick headed. You're fortified. (laughs) Fortified. Like big difference. You're fortified. And and you're right. And you know what? What do you think are some of the things, especially if we look at revenue producers or even leaders of revenue producers? I think they know that they need to be courageous because it's a really, really hard job. Like the job of a producer, oh my God, whether you're a BDR or an AE having to deal with that level of emotion and that kind of interaction and that sort of, I always feel like I'm a pest, you know, is it like, how do I talk myself out of that? What do you think stops people from being able to have the courage that they need to do that job? Well,
0: you know, it's a great question. And I, I don't know. I think the answer is going to be different all the time. I don't think there's one answer to it and I've seen it permeate in different ways. If I bubble it up, think that people have fear of not doing it well or being wrong or, and obviously the adage in being rejected. Oh my God, don't, if you can't be rejected, don't be in sales. I'll kind of agree because you're going to be rejected way more than you're going to be accepted. And that's kind of, you just have to kind of manage through that part of your fabric and that part of your craft and figure out how you, again, we'll go back to how you brush yourself off and pick yourself up back up. I say big girl bootstraps for women it could be big boy bootstraps for men. But I, th- I think that that holds people back. I think that people need to be very intentional, right? We learned, we, we read a book and, and of course it's going to escape me right now a few years ago. And I remember it was the four disciplines of execution I have it right here. And it talks about a wildly important goal, and we called that a wig. And some of you out there have probably heard of it because, you know, we all read all our sales books to hone our craft. And the wildly important goal was being intentional and looking at accomplishing one or two really important things, right? So you can look at that. We leverage this at an ELT level, at an organizational level, all the way, you know, trickling down into the different parts and different portfolios and different areas of the organization all the way down to sales folks. And I think that's one of the things that if you have that well, that you can't do 15 things. And I think we overtax our sales professionals. I think we overtax people to do too many things. And then you get caught in what I call the swirl and you don't do any of those 15 things well. So how do you really focus on if said client or if this is my number for the quarter, how am I going to get there? And what are the two things, only up to two, that I have to do to get there? And what does that look like? Is that five hours a day of prospecting? Is that, you know, eight hours a day of prospecting? Is that I need to meet X amount of what is the game? We know sales is a game of numbers, right? It it really truly is. And it's really a game of execution, the four disciplines of execution. You have to execute intentionally and focused, or it's not going to happen. You're going to get pulled here, pulled there, and you have to pull yourself and you have to figure out. And that's a hard thing to do, management mentors can help you with that. But how do you pull yourself out of that daily swirl to really, truly intent, intentionally focus on the task at hand? Um, and I think people get clouded. I think there's too many other, you know, there's too many other things going on, just like life, right? It's just it's not it's yes. work. It's like, look at it from a life perspective. But I, I think it is intentionality and really execution is hard because you you are there's too many distractions. And for leaders, leaders have to help pull. Like my job is to pull distraction away from the team to be able to allow them to be intentional and have their wildly important goal and be accountable to that goal. So.
1: Oh, and distraction. I often think distraction isn't always what you think it's going to be. Like sometimes distraction are things that you think can be really, really good. But then it turns out, it's really, really bad, right? And a leader has to acknowledge like, is this distraction? Is this a healthy distraction? Is this something that's gonna make you better in your everyday? Or is this an unhealthy distraction, right? Are you tearing through lines of Excel data to determine if you were paid incorrectly because you don't have trust with sales operations, right? So it's like, that's a distraction, but it feels so purposeful for the person doing it. So it's kind of, it's cutting through that noise. And what you've got me thinking about now around just this idea of courage. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've always felt like there's accepted courage and then there's unaccepted or unsupported courage and knowing which one is which. So the accepted courage would be, you know, hey, push back on that prospect, try to give them a brand new paradigm, do something that's never been done. When you hear a no, try to pivot really, really differently. If you're going into a month and you're gonna pop up a goose egg, do something brave and extraordinary that you've never done before to try to hit that number. Like there's all these areas of just, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to do it. Then there's the unsupported courage that should be, which, you know, politically that can look like I don't know, fighting for rights um, or internally in a company, maybe that could look like calling out when another person at the company has some kind of unconscious biases or does something that is not in light of celebrating diversity, right? There's this courage. That initially it's like, wow, it's going to take courage for me to speak up and this is going to be really unpopular. And I think if you're not used to living in an environment where courage is celebrated, you often don't know which one should I be leaning into and both. And so in terms of courage, and when you're trying to encourage your people to show up like that, how do you make it a safe environment for people to take risks and not regret it and never do it again? Not be a turtle and go like back in the shell, be like I came out once, and then I had to go back in, never going to come out. How do you make it safe?
0: Yeah, it is a fantastic question, and I'm, I'm I, I I I love answering this question. I think yes. it, it, which is the complete polar opposite of how salespeople think. Salespeople are run, 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 go, go, go. Type triple A, AA, double A, quadruple A, right? I, I'm married to one. He's a quadruple. He's worse than I am. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Stop and pause and take a breath. Stop and talk, pause and take a breath and be intentional. I learned intentional when I started here. I'd never really heard. We need to be really intentional about this. And I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean, yeah. right? No, I'm supposed to run a mile a minute. I'm supposed to get 1,700 new prospects. And, and I learned intentionality here. And if you pull the thread, the other thing that my team gets sick of hearing me say is connective tissue, right? There's connective tissue yeah. everywhere. A goes into B, goes into C, goes into D, and, and you keep going. You've got to be, so stop and take a breath. And it really comes down to the adage, you know, plan your work, work your plan. But if you're going in to see someone and you need to, we're saying, we're talking about being courageous. How are you courageous? Well, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going in and I'm winging it because I didn't stop and take a breath and I'm running a mile a minute. I'm running into the meeting and I haven't really prepped and I haven't created a hypothesis on what I think about either this organization and this stakeholder and the situation they may be facing or what their competitors are doing. This is the simplest, this is sales 101, but people forego it all the time a lot stop and take a breath part of your job is to prepare and prepare yourself and that's not solely understanding what the company does and i'm getting the background and you know linkedin's great right think about the days we didn't have that makes me old makes me ages me right but same take the time and pause and your job is to prepare your foundation to go in because I am much more comfortable reporting up to our board when I have prepared for two weeks with the rest of my colleagues I can go into that with confidence I can go in knowing my numbers thinking hypothesizing is another huge one that I push heartily Hypothesizing on what they what I believe they're going to ask of me and the curiosities they're going to have and where they're going to point me that I need to be ready to speak to, address, understand, or say I don't know. Which is fair. Mm-hmm. To you, right? Which is fair to I don't yes. I may not know everything and you need to do that, but it's the preparation. So it's the connective tissue of to be courageous, stop and take a breath, prepare. When you prepare, understand and do your research, but hypothesize, come up with a hypothesis or two or three. I I have a notebook every time. Here it is. Very visual. I love it. Every time I go into a meeting has nothing to do with the title. I mean, I know who I'm meeting with, but it is my questions and my hypotheses on help me understand, Christina. I notice A, I notice B, and this is where I see this going. Does this mean X and Y to you? Is this something that you guys are concerned about? And guess what? And this is the other thing about salespeople: people are afraid to be wrong. People are not courageous. I'm not gonna go out on the limb because if That's I'm it. wrong, I'm gonna get kicked out the door. You wanna know what? That is completely incorrect. Probably 90% of the time, in my experience. Yeah. That person Well, if you
1: if you've kicked somebody out for being wrong, you're a jerk.
0: Right? Do like, you want to do business with yeah. them anyway? Most <laughs> right. nine times out of ten. And it's hard to to get some people, especially people that are newer to the craft. When you do that, if you have some pretty good hypothesis, right, because you've done your research, you've you've figured this out, you feel good going in and being like, help me understand this. That stakeholder, that executive is going to look at you and do one of two things. They're going to say, Christina, oh my gosh, man, you really took some time to learn my business. You are spot on. And yes, and they're going to talk about it. Or... They're going to say, wow, Christina, you're not there. Close. But let me explain it to you. Let me tell you what it really is because they're so appreciative that you actually took the time and energy and you were brave and courageous to go there on that hypothesis, on that limb, right? You're walking the plank a little bit there that they're like, I'm, you invested enough for me typically I will now tell you how you're off and where it really is. Either way you win, whether you're right or whether you're wrong, typically either way you earn some credibility, you earn respect, you earn the ask for the, oh, well now I understand. So this might, and you can continue that conversation and obviously close for your next opportunity with them or to continue, you know, experiential conversation. I think that people are afraid to do that, I, yeah. I think many people are afraid to be wrong, make a wrong hypothesis, but people, and these are not technical hypotheses, right? Not technical. Nobody in my company wants me to be technical. They, they all cringe, but at a business level, at a business level, right? And how do you instantiate and know that you as a sales professional, a craftsman have agency to do that? And I think that's what I think that's what yeah. leaders owe their people.
1: That's it. I mean, the there's one thing I'm I'm extracting a theme. And what I love is it sounds like if I'm trying to figure out how courage is going to show up in my day to day, step one could be curiosity, because everything that you're kind of laying out when you're talking about that moment of stepping in and feeling like I am being brave, it starts with some curiosity Who am I in the room with? What is the product? What can I say right, right? Is this extreme sort of executive level curiosity and fear of being wrong along with that. I almost feel like the curiosity can counterbalance that. But you made me think of, I have this really great friend and I'm going to say he's phenomenal at Jeopardy. Now here's the thing. Probably, I'm not going to say his name because he'll kill me, but probably like 60% of the time, he's absolutely wrong. Like, gets the question wrong 60% of the time. But you know what he does? He answers so confidently every time that he's wrong. And then when they say the wrench, it's like, ah, yeah, that's right. As if like, oh, right, I knew that. And I I used to just be like, man, X, Y, Z, you are so good at Jeopardy. And then when I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. You are almost always wrong. Like, you almost get the right answer the amount of times that I get the right answer. But it's the way that he's just in it. And he's like, this, this. This. Yeah. knew it. And I was like, oh, man, you're crushing it. But right. But it's that he's leaning into it. He's like, I'm going to give this what I can and I'm going to be right. And it's going to be celebrated. But if not, you're going to see me trying. You're going to see me be curious. And there is just this air where I think of him as like, oh, I've got this friend who's really good at Jeopardy. And when I think about it, I'm like, "He's actually he's actually like just kind of okay at Jeopardy. But it's to show if you're amazing at it. Show it and lean in, and don't be afraid to be wrong here and there. Because if anything, it just makes you human. Like if you're a brilliant person, you got to come down to the level with the rest of us and be wrong every now and then. You know, yeah. like <laughs> it's okay to it's
0: do exactly that. Human, right? Exactly. Yeah, point? that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think, and I've seen some. I think when you do it a couple of times, and you get up, like anything, you get acclimated, and and it makes more sense. Then you're off to the races. Like, okay, I got yeah. it. People, people run. I think we push people to run, and we don't. We 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 cannot lose the lack of intentionality and focus. I think the other piece that with courageous is make it personal. When you speak of curiosity, it can't be surface love. It has to be sincere curiosity, right? It Has to mm. you know be that in, in, in curiosity not only about it's the business. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's genuine and, and about but about the person, right? What are they going through? What do they want? They're on a career path, no different than any of us are, right? What is, what is the business asking of them? It's one of my favorite. What, what is, what is the board asking of you? What, what seat are you in? How do I help you? Is this a problem for you? Or are you good? You got it. Because that's usually what the, uh, we answer to a board, right? In our organization, you know, what, what is the, Absolutely. what, is, what, what, do, what do you need to do? What is going to help you get there? So I think it is one of those, I think it's those personal things too. And and I think that's obviously nobody would argue that point being personal, but I think genuine in that curiosity and how you approach is super important. And, And it's, it's
1: respectful. It's respectful. Like I also, I think there's a lot of content and a lot of conversations that are coaching as well. I mean, producers, right. Salespeople, managers, right. This idea of like, go out there, be brave, be courageous, fall on your butt, get back up again. That's how it's done. And that's the right thing to do. But I also want to spend an equal amount of time encouraging people to be good prospects. And I feel like that's also not discussed enough, is that most of the salespeople that I talk to that either hated the job, had to get out of it, or are currently struggling, it's this idea of, I wish I could do all of those things, but I can't always count on my prospects and my buyers to treat me with respect and treat me with dignity. And honestly, sometimes a bad prospect convinces you that you can't fall down because you will never get up again. Like I remember one of my first sales calls when I was first starting out of my career. Now granted, I was selling insurance, which everybody out there who sells financial products, you just keep going so hard it's so hard to sell that product no, right no but i remember yep. oh man monday nights monday night they were like monday night's pizza night and it was a trick because monday night was not pizza night monday night was come work at the office from 7 to 9 p.m we will order dominoes and make you call 100 cold leads well, right and then we would like stack rank you on the board for who got and they're like it's pizza night i was like no this is torture you it's fun with with yeah, with bubble guts because I'm eating all this pizza super late at night. So this is this is lead night followed by gastrointestinal discomfort and emotional scarring. That's what Monday nights are, right? Like that was what that was. And I remember I, you know, so it's 7 o'clock at night. And I was like, why are we doing this at 7 o'clock at night? They're like, well, people are home. I was like, this is awesome when people like don't want to talk to us. And they're like, no, 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 go ahead. Get on the phone. So I'm like, okay, going to be a good soldier. I'm Remember, I get on the phone. This guy answers. Um, and I was like, "Oh, hi. This is Christina calling from insert this financial firm. It was MetLife. It's fine." And he was like, "What do you want?" And I said, "Oh, um, I just wanted to call in and check in on your policy." He's like, "Now?" I'm like, "We? I have time. But do you have time?" And he was like, "You've got one minute. And if you don't say something in one minute that I like, I'm hanging up, and you better never call here again." I have woken up. This 16 years later, now I have woken up in cold sweats. In the middle of the night with how that guy made me feel. And it was like I had only one shot to get it right or he was like doors closed. You're never going to do it again. And then I spent the next three to four years tripping over the pursuit of perfection, knowing I only have one minute. I can't make a mistake. And I actually had to actively unlearn that and learn that was a prospect problem. That was potentially a company issue and putting people in a bad position to be hitting people in a time of their life when they don't want to interact in a business capacity. It shouldn't interact with my ability to make a mistake because it's okay. But in my opinion, prospects also need to own a part of being human in the interaction. And I feel like maybe that's a taboo statement.
0: I, I, what do you think? It's a really interesting take on it. I completely agree with you. I think there needs to be accountability on both sides, because if they're if they're looking for something, you're looking to provide that something at some level. They're looking for a symbiotic relationship. They're looking to buy or understand or procure or make make change, instantiate change. They're trying to understand if you're the person that that is with or, you know, whatever that may be. And you could put this probably in any genre of you know products or services um right we're software it's the same someone's looking to make a change which i have another thought on that that i'll get to in a minute but i think i think two things i think yes there's a side of humanity that i think people forget about and that you know we're all here trying to achieve an end goal mine may be different from yours we may or may not be aligned but we're all going for the same thing and we're all trying to do our jobs and do them well. And maybe you don't like all of it, but I'm, I'm still a human and you're still a human and we need to treat with each other with respect. I think, you know, that that could be a whole nother topic of conversation, which we do not have time for today. How I think that humanity, you know, the, the way that we treat each other has, has could, could always use improvement. I think the other thing is, you know, when you have those situations where someone may not be as open, you but you've prepared and you have your hypothesis, you may turn it a little bit of a different way. Well, mm-hmm. okay, here's why I'm calling you because I understand A, B, and C. If, what if you, I think you can do B, uh, I think you can do D, E, and F. If you don't want to tell me, if you don't want to hear about it, you know, I don't have to tell you, but it's going to improve your policy or it's going to improve your platform and we've seen it done five you know 500 times because we've done it and here's three stories that i can give you i ran over a minute but tell me if you if you think that that was credible credible enough and you got to have that and i think the other piece of that is again preparation research intentionality many people will get caught right many sale seasoned people will get caught if you are not prepared for that one the the curveball like right the the hard ball that just coming right at your face how do you counter that? And sometimes you have to be firm back. I'm calling you to help mm-hmm. you, right? I think you need to, as most sales professionals and executives, you have to know when to bob and when to weave. And you have to know when to say, uh, you know, th- this is why. And but hey, that's, at least I'm on your top of mind. If now's not the right time, please get back to me. But then you trickle and follow up, right? And follow up and follow up. Because not everybody's going to open the door and with welcoming arms and be like, come on in, have Sophie." Right. I think right. we all know that. I think the other piece of that what you made me think of when you were when you were talking was you know we talked about hypothesis and being courageous and 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 just maybe saying no okay maybe not right or again everyone wants to do things very quickly i go back to stop and take a breath sales want to do things very quickly I want to return the call in two minutes. I want to send the email back in two minutes. I want to do this in two minutes. I want to do that in two minutes. Responsive. There is yes. responsive and there is over responsive. And Toxic we responsiveness. to be over or over, you know, inundating. Take pause. I've told my people many times, don't call them back. Don't send that email today because you're probably not going to make them happy. Oh no, but I have to do, but I don't know. No, no, we got to do this today. No, no, we don't. No, it's not the end of the month. It's not the end of the quarter. You can wait 24 hours. And in some sense, you start to train your prospect or your customer as well. Not train like, you know, like that, but train them in that you also are to be respected. You have a job. You have a world. You're being respectable of theirs. And it's almost like you can start to seem desperate with responsiveness or over-responsiveness can turn into, do you know what I'm saying? It's a weird, fine line, but I think over too responsive or too communicative or too just in your fit, that literally can become a turnoff in its own right. And I think that you need to be able to temper that on a stakeholder by stakeholder or on a client by client basis and i say this to train your client to train and and so that you guys are on equal footing because i think many times we de elevate ourselves as sales professionals to the stakeholder that we're trying to work with yes no there's a lot of equality there you have to embrace that that is part of honing your craft i am an equal i can consult you and help you in your career if we do these you know if you listen to me and give me some of the time now you got to earn cred to be able to do that but elevate yourself as an equal. They don't want to talk to you if they don't think you're an equal. You will never get the time of day. You will never get the mind share. You will never get the brain child from them. How do you do that? And that, that's, you know, that's going to be, that's an unending journey. How do you do that? Because each individual, this is the person, this is the human aspect to your point. The guy in the phone, hey, he told you, he gave you an, you have one minute. Most people, I mean, I've been in that mode and I am an, I am an executive and I'm like, I'm in the middle of cutting up a chicken. I gotta go is this a cold block they're like oh yeah i'm like okay it is but you know feels real cold awful afterwards yeah but i think you know when someone gives you that in at that point you have nothing to lose totally and you know what that moment while it haunts me
1: it haunts me sure all of our first that all of our first yeah yeah. (laughs) but you know what the first time I fell down as a kid, I had to realize, holy cow, that's because I was just standing. Whoa, right? So it's like this moment that in my mind, I was like, wow, I never want to feel like that again. And in my mind, I was like, if the next person who answers says that to me, what would I say? Because I, I biffed the first one. Hard biffing, right? He's like, you have one minute. I was like, well, we sell insurance. And he's hung up on, right? It was, I was like, I, I wasn't ready for that. It had never happened to me before. But then I was like, oh my God, what would I say if that happens again, right? So there is that, there's that element of preparedness and showing up and being ready. But also I think to your point, you have to teach people how you wanna be treated, right? Like I'm gonna teach you how to treat me. um, And that's important is to show like, look, I'm calling you because I believe that I can help. I have a point of view. And other people like you have also taken on the point of view that this could be really, really helpful. Let's discuss if we agree. If we don't agree, we don't agree. That's okay. We can agree to disagree. That's okay. We can, we can, we can agree yeah. to disagree. And you know what? You go do you, I'll go do me. And yeah. maybe in five years, we'll come back together. Well, and I think, right. And I think people need to
0: not put square pegs in round holes. If someone doesn't yeah. want to work with you, they're probably not going to be the greatest people to work with or the greatest organization to work with anyways. I mean, we all have yeah. them. We all see it in our careers, right? We. It's funny when I first came here, because I came from CA Technologies, seven years challenging as a sales representative, challenging as a sales executive, challenging, hard, yeah, very hardcore. And, and someone I actually had had a meeting this morning and someone said, well, what did you think about that? And people always ask me like, oh, my God, you came from there because there's a whole like obviously like universe of people that work there and we all still keep in touch. But my comment was I learned a whole lot of amazing things to do and I learned a whole lot of amazing things to not do. And you never ever lose any of that real world training, and for that I, I cherish my time there. I, I learned a lot, exactly to what you're giving your example on, right? And I definitely riffed a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Bad. there's ones that get yeah. out of the park, and you're like, okay, I can. How do I figure out how to replicate that? And how do I make sure that I'm prepared? And what are the curveballs that they may throw at me that I need to be able to dance right on my feet? And and to gain that respect with your client and be able to allow yourself the agency to be curious and ask questions and you know I always like I literally have said like sometimes I'm not the smartest person about this but I think I've got it can you help me can I pick your brain on this and then you kind of disarm people as well because they don't feel like you're selling anymore they really just feel like you're you're trying to understand genuinely understand we were working in manufacturing We've not worked with a thousand manufacturing companies. It's different. Steel production is different than software, right? How are you? Help me understand. This is what I read. This is what you're doing. You're opening these two plants in the United States because of the supply chain issues. That's awesome. What does that mean from an automation perspective, right? And, and, You can come up with their hypotheses. Most people are so intrigued by allowing then They can teach you about what they do and they can teach you. It's like grandparents teaching their grandkids, right? Or mothers and fathers teaching their children. Wow, let me, I could really make an impact here and teach them how I learned it, right? You guys happy, we have to stop and let people do that. And I think in pulling that connective tissue, you have to ask questions. I think the other thing is again, People are in a rush. I'm in a rush to close. We're going to close it. I need to close it now. I, I teach my people blood money. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to write it. <laughs> red, revenue, you know, red, red revenue, red revenue, green revenue. revenue. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Percentage. That's blood money. Because totally. I don't want to be on the hook for explaining why that went, why that pushed right. But you can't, I think people rush, you know, we say people rush to judgment. Sales executives rush to prescribe without fully mm. triaging. You know, like, That's it. let me tell you about, I think no, you're not there. And you're not there in the first meeting. And you're not especially in complex, either complex sales, complex enterprise sales, there's a whole bunch of different genres. You've got to stop and breathe and take your time and have a plan. And and have a plan and ask questions to validate the plan. Because I can be talking with Christina, I can be talking with Jennifer, and I can be talking with, uh, with, with Elizabeth. And everyone could have a whole different, the other thing is triangulate, right? Just because Christina has opinion A does not mean Jennifer has opinion A and it certainly does not mean Elizabeth has opinion A. That is, so that's what those things get me really excited is getting into that more complex level uh, of sales, right? And and really, you know, because when you can have the trust to your point, earn your respect to your point and and that people are human back to you, you become yeah. this glue that holds things together. And then you are an invaluable asset to your customer. And that is very hard to get to that place. And it takes a lot of work. But once you're there, you're there. And you're you there. You know, though, that's nirvana. That's like when and you see it happen. It Ooh. doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, it takes your breath away. And you're like, yes. and, and I wish that it. for everybody. Because it's the coolest, wildest thing that I can ever, I've ever experienced um, on the dark side. Oh, well,
1: what a beautiful place to land, the idea of creating nirvana. And speaking of nirvana, we could, we're could we going to have to do a part two of this because there's so many things that I was like, ooh, want to hit on that? Ooh, I want to hit on that. And we will. We'll hit on them another time. But for now, we have reached the conclusion and it is time for our rapid reveal. You've got five questions, 60 seconds or less to answer. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> about every uh, uh sure yeah okay great okay so number one curveball like no 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 not a curveball softball different ball softball what is a hidden talent of yours yeah
0: this is probably the hardest one I think um oh for so curveball, okay, curveball. yeah this is yeah. curveball hidden talent I'm going to say that I'm a pretty I'm a good mini golfer Okay. And that's super I'm easy, obsessed with that answer. I love mini golf. My son and and, and and I think it's a couple quirky things. It's probably mini golf and it's probably uh, cornhole. I do pretty good at cornhole. And and not because I've ever tried. I just think that I I get it.
1: You would you would be good. The arc, it's it's math. At the end of the day it's math, which I
0: was good and at. A, so it makes no sense.
1: <laughs> it makes no sense. well, it's math combined with a certain level of inebriation and you can either be really good at math or really drunk and both I find you know, or we're just like right in the middle of both.
0: It could be it's, it's the intersection. <laughs> right. Is yeah,
1: right. right? It's where they meet. Number
0: two, what is an irrational fear of yours? Oh, an irrational fear. Probably, I don't know. I'm going to just say bugs. Because yeah. a bug is really little and I'm really big and it's not really going to hurt me, but you will hear me ho- hooting and hollering if the tiniest little thing is on my arm and I'm way too dramatic for bugs. I mean, some bugs can hurt you, some can. even the little From ones, can.
1: some bugs. Can, so that's totally, and they can get everywhere. I, I'm with you three. Maybe this is going to be your softball. What was the last thing that
0: inspired you? This one is really super personal. Actually, a very, someone very close to me was supposed to get married and they were together uh, for a very long time, many years. And we're getting, they were COVID marriage and postponed and, um, had a lot of conversations with this person and things were not going well. And the decision ultimately was made uh, by this couple in the throes at the very end of when they were supposed to be married and the wedding was actually happening to say, we don't, we don't think this is right for us. And, and that person was my daughter. And I remember being inspired by her, by her fiance that so many people in life will just go along with the flow, even though they know it's not right, even though they know this is not the big decision, but geez, here I am. And they decided not to do it. And we said, okay, I, as parents, I'd rather have you make that decision now than deal with whatever consequence may be or down the road a couple of years And this one's super personal and probably too personal maybe for the show, but it inspired me because... People have heard mentality, they just go do what they just flow with it, even when you know in your moral, in your heart, in your head, it's not right. Stand up and be courageous and make that decision. She inspired me so much because uh, it was probably the hardest decision of her life. And she's now validated that it was the right decision. And I ask her that frequently, not frequently, like every day, but every once in a while. Do, do you, how do you feel about that? And she's like, and so I'm still sad about the decision we had to make, but it was the right decision. And I, I just don't think that I think people in society sometimes lacking the fortitude to be able to stand on the, that such unshaky ground in such an uncomfortable situation. Cause I don't know what I would have done if it was me. Right. You think about that stuff, right. And maybe not in the marriage, but in any other situation, I was very inspired by just, making a really, really challenging determination of what your life's going to be. I don't think that people put enough thought into some of those things today. So
1: that, that was not too personal. That was beautiful. That's why I asked that question. Your daughter's awesome. Yeah, she is pretty cool. Number four, describe your perfect day.
0: Perfect day is a day at the beach relaxing, which I, as a type, triple, whatever, A, I do not know how to do. I, I'm not really good at it. A perfect day would be doing that. And then believe it or not, coming home and making dinner that I would like to make that I enjoy. I'd love to cook with a glass or two of wine, relaxing in my kitchen, chilling out, listening to some music with, with my husband, my family, close friends. That is a perfect day for me. Mm,
1: we have a very similar perfect day. And last but certainly not least, what's your most impactful memory?
0: My So I'm going to go back to family. My most impactful memory is my dad, who passed very young, always taught me to be personal. And I think, you know, you look at COVID and all of the ways that the world has changed and that we do so many things from afar now. Um, and when my most impactful memory is, You know when he was teaching me probably in my high school years about how to be professional and things of that nature and it really was him in a moment correcting me when i didn't shake someone's hand with conviction and i didn't look in their eyes and he i remember him saying to me you're never you will not create the relationship you want if you don't lean into it in certain ways and set the example of who you are immediately with the person that you're you're talking to or trying to connect with. And he's like, that's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But my grandest memory and one I will always take, and I, I literally say this to this day to so many people, especially now that code we're opening up, like I love getting in front of someone and be like, hey, are you okay with having lunch? And <laughs> oh, you were okay? And yeah. we went down to see a client not down but over to st louis and, and i can't even tell you the impact it's like living you know it's like it's like a time machine people are so excited to see you in person and i literally recall my dad in many conversations i say my father taught me very well about in-person relationships and really getting to know someone well and really connecting with them on, on a true true level being genuine. And that is my, my memory. And I've taken that with me in personal and of course, in business. So thanks, Dad.
1: What a good one. And you've now carried it on because you have impacted me. I imagine you've impacted a lot of people and you will in the years to come. So if anybody wants to meet you, find you, learn about your company, where can they find you?
0: They can find me. Three Pillar Global is the company, com. They can look me up on LinkedIn, Kim Mirazimi, M-I-R-A-Z-I-M-I. I I am there, checking, hanging out, talking to people all the time. So welcome. Please reach out. Love to talk with you. Would love to connect with you. Thank you, Christina.
1: Thank you also for being on the show. This has been wonderful. And everyone, thank you for listening to Taking the Lead. We will catch you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Taking the Lead. If you're looking for more inspiring stories from women leaders in B2B tech, then visit us at motionagency.io taking the lead.